Acesta este Curious Lion Podcast, prezentat de ING. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Curious Lion Podcast, brought to you by ING. I am Vlad Andriescu and today we're going to talk about banking, about the IT industry and how it changed in the last few months, um, how the pandemic changed things. And today we're going to talk with Bogdan Vizorano, who is lead chapter at ING and also co-founder of the Romanian NGO Code for Romania. Hello, Bogdan. Hi, uh, really nice to, to be here with you. I'm, I'm flattered a bit that uh, I'm in this place right now. Uh, well, uh, considering all the, the options that uh, this organization had. So thank you for the, uh, the invitation to be, uh, to be part of this. I, I, I enjoyed the previous uh, episodes and I, uh, I really liked uh, what you were doing. So <laughs> thank you. Just for, for the beginning, because I mentioned that you are a lead chapter for mobile applications, if, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, at ING, and also co-founder of uh, Code for Romania NGO, who is a civic hacking um, NGO yeah. who develops uh, websites and programs which can be used um, by the state in the end, by the citizens. So um, let's talk a bit about your path and what attracted you to a big company like ING, um, which is a banking company now with a very strong IT um, part. Yeah, 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 it is. Uh, I'll make a big, uh, bit of a detour uh, around how I got to, uh, to ING because, uh, well, I've been doing a lot of other things before, uh, before getting here. Um, first of all, jumping into the, the development part. This uh, hasn't been always my, my dream, probably, but, uh, but I guess I had a spark somewhere in, uh, in high school, in uh, about 11th grade. Uh, we won a, a data modeling competition, international competition, and I think that was a moment when, uh, when I sparked a bit and I, I started thinking to myself, I can actually do these things. So uh, what followed really, really fast was uh, the enrollment of uh, myself in, uh, in college. Uh, I chose the uh, cybernetics um, 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 department of uh, the academic of economic studies. And well, after the first year in the summer, I was also fully employed as a, as a full-time developer. So uh, I started in a tiny company, uh, really tiny company uh, that was uh, focused on POS products in the horeca industry. But um, it was a bit exciting for me because I interacted with a lot of uh, a lot of things. I was not just writing code. Uh, we had a huge, uh, huge part on uh, on uh, requirements, gathering informal trainings, uh, integrations with a lot of tools and uh, cash registers, espresso machines. Uh, we, we used to do uh, touch screen integrations in 2007. And that was uh, amazing at that time, at least for, for me, uh, <laughs> fresh out of uh, high school in, uh, in the first uh, years of uh, college that was really really exciting so after after that i jumped uh to an international uh, level startup uh they were building um, some uh, some corporate performance management solutions for large enterprises so i got a uh, hang on uh, how the uh, the environment was uh, was around there as well uh the company was soon soon bought by uh, by ibm and for well the energy levels that i had at the time and the rhythm in which uh, things moved uh well i discovered we were not that compatible so um i um 
my my FOMO was out actually not uh, um, uh, not satisfied either. I felt like I was missing out on uh, on the industry, and uh, I found what, exactly what I was looking for in another uh, Romanian uh, tech company, and I was working in a, a custom software de- uh, department. So uh, there were short life cycles for products. Uh, there were the latest stacks involved, and uh, this was truly a really good place to grow uh personally and and uh, with uh, the skill set that i uh that i had um then i kind of came back to the startup industry um and uh, still an, at an international startup uh, for about five years um i uh, i got used to uh, to working with cloud i got used to automatic deployments i got used to a lot of uh, really good development practices that we had to uh, to put in place so not just follow just put in place because also uh, that there was a small uh, small team as well so um after um, after about five years uh, of that uh, this company was also sold to the biggest competitors and i kind of felt the, the need uh, for some structure and here comes uh, ING in place. Um, after a long process to figure out the, our compatibility um, uh, between my, myself and, uh, and the company and the company and myself, uh, we took the decision to, to partner up. And um, yeah, there were a lot of things that uh, attract me, attracted me here. So um, one of them was, uh, was the tech stack was, uh, was familiar, was in the same family that uh, the one that I had experience with so i could be of help in uh, improving things there uh, and more more important i had the opportunity uh of uh, of interacting with a lot of amazing people uh from from the start uh i loved their attitude i were loved their openness and uh, their willingness to to actually grow in, in here and i felt that uh, this is going to be a, a really cool challenge for me and and for themselves as well because uh <laughs> we're, we're going to be uh, both a part of this and um, yeah, that was uh, the click for for ING. And I've been around uh, two two years and a half now with uh, with an ING. For those who who don't know um, exactly the roles in the IT industry, um, just I want to ask you to explain just a bit what what's what's your your role inside uh, inside the organization as okay. the chapter lead. Okay, so a chapter lead is something that's a bit of an unusual uh, um, job title, right? You don't see this uh, this very often. Um, ING is an, an agile organization, but um, it was inspired by uh, other tech giants to to adopt uh, sort of a customized experience for for agile. So uh, they they kind of took the um, the model from uh, from Spotify and other other tech giants that also. Um, also implement this uh, this model of uh, working in tribes with squads and uh, these chapters. These chapters are kind of some um, uh, grouping of people that have the same uh, specialization, the, the same uh, skill sets. They do kind of the same same things, and the chapter lead is a person that actually coordinates uh, these people that have a common set of skills and have a goal, sort of a common set of, uh, of goals as well. Uh, and I'm one of those uh, those chapter leads in uh, in ING Bank. Um, this role is a mixed role, so basically it combines the technical abilities with people management abilities. And I don't know to put it simple, I uh, I provide guidance for technical initiatives, for uh, strategies and plans. Uh, I also help up with uh, 
the implementations as well. So I get my hands uh, dirty as well. I don't I don't just uh, just provide guidance, um, and also have a role in the people management activities like hiring, capacity planning, career guidance, trainings, and all the approvals you would imagine that are required in a banking environment. Mm -hmm. uh, this is kind of the, the role in a, in a small nutshell. Of course, uh, a lot of unpredictable and uh, out of scope uh, activities are, are in place as well, but uh, this is the, the main purpose of, uh, of this role. You, I read an interview um, with you that, that you gave uh, earlier this year, and you mentioned there that you are working um, to develop the DevOps um, mindset into the organization. And I want to jump into this um, and to explain a bit to the people who are listening or watching us, what is exactly the DevOps mindset in your opinion? Oh, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let me try to, to be as brief as I, as I can. I really do love the fact that you mentioned my opinion because I can only talk from, from that perspective. Um, so um, it has a bit of a, a background as well uh, for me, this DevOps buzzword. I didn't give in too much attention uh, at the beginning of, uh, of well, the, the time that this buzzword started to ring in everybody's ears. Um, but lately, I kind of started figuring out why I didn't pay much attention in the beginning for, for this. So uh, in a small company, as a developer, you're not just writing code. You must do everything that is required for uh, the customer, the client, to actually benefit for, for, from that code that you just wrote. So um, you need to have this concern uh, as a default behavior. And I always consider that well, this is the default behavior. You have to be aware of uh, how things actually get used by your customers. So, uh, in a huge company, you you find out that you find out that you have segregation of duties, and you have specializations, and you have people that do one thing and do it pretty pretty good, and uh, they're um, uh, they're experts on on what they do, and uh, this kind of um, um, revolves a bit on uh, on the concept of handing over stuff from developers to QA to uh, a lot of processes so uh, a lot of areas and um, this is um, this is expensive this handover is is expensive and uh, there's a middle ground to this you don't have to be a, a guy that knows everything about everything because that's well pretty much rare those kind of unicorns are pretty much rare but there's a middle ground and Yes, the concept of DevOps is just putting the, the dots on that. So, um, yeah, this refers not to, to a person that the, does uh, DevOps, but it's, uh, it's an organization that does DevOps activities. So uh, there is a most popular and well, the, the, the definition that I agree most with uh, is from Donovan Brown. He's one of the representatives of, of the agile, of the um, DevOps uh, concept in, uh, in Microsoft. And he, he mentions that DevOps is the union of people, processes, products that to enable continuous delivery of value to end users. And uh, yeah, I totally ring to, to this. So having awareness that your development machine is not the place where your activity ends is key. And whatever you revolve around this this mindset is uh, well, you can refer it simply as uh, as DevOps. So uh, having awareness that the, the of the problems that your colleagues from operations might have can enable you as a, as a developer to include the, these concerns in the way that you write code. Uh, 
in the way that your application is configurable, in the way that your uh, application is uh, secure, easily to be deployed, and uh, you you develop with reusability in mind. Um, of course, it requires a lot of communication, um, a lot of performant and reliable tools, and of course, processes, flows that make sense to your organization. So it's not a silver bullet. You have to adapt these these things to your organization so that it makes sense. Uh, you not handing over stuff. Uh, every part of your organization be aware of the full uh, development lifecycle, uh, so that they can uh, communicate better and uh, they can uh, they can share their uh, their knowledge better and go faster and better. Yeah. As you said, as as you said, you have. Uh, sorry, uh, as you said, you have have also experience in in smaller companies and also in big companies. So uh, it was something something that you that you did um, instinctively uh, in in a small company. But jumping uh, back to to ING and talking about mindset and developer experience basically experience not as not as skills but basically the day-to-day um feeling of of working there um how did you um change what you uh, what you saw at first in in ing because you said uh, you you are here for two or three years and it's a process maybe a continuous process it is <laughs> for sure uh it's a uh... It's a huge process. So um, um, yeah, we had to uh, had to visit around some some things. I would I would mention the the developer experience in uh, in the beginning. So um, uh, in ING, the development process uh, was already established and functional and everything uh, when when I arrived. So this uh, this was no uh, uh, no question around that. But uh, that does not mean uh, it couldn't be improved. So uh, you could do a lot of activities to, to actually improve these things. You can always bring in new and better tools. Uh, you can always upgrade your tech, tech stacks in order to uh, remain relevant in the industry that you're working in. Um, you, can, uh, you can push some, some upgrades that actually make sense. Uh, and well, to, to be uh, totally specific on, um, on what we try to achieve, we try to achieve uh, a better confidence I mean, we, we try to increase increase the, the confidence of developers because um, the whole development process was not that transparent. They were working on their tiny piece. They were doing it rather rather good, but they didn't have the holistic view. So this is what, what uh, we tried to, to do, make the whole process transparent and in order to, to raise awareness. And uh, well, improving the tools as well gave them more, more confidence in, uh, in their code. Because uh, in a large organization, there is a uh, little chance that you will not speak about legacy code. You will have legacy code. You will have code that is already over there. You have uh, mature pro- uh, projects, mature products that you need to work on, need to understand how uh, how those things work over there. And um, this is the, the the most things that we, we put focus on. So better tools and uh, this this uh, increase of, of confidence by uh, by making the whole process transparent and uh, well cleaning up some some code base a bit if uh, if that was needed. Um, also, the onboarding process um, needed a bit of a revisit, as uh, well I caught up the expansion of uh, of ING uh, the the. Um, 
number of uh, of developers increased about I don't know three hundred percent in in the last three years. So that was a a huge huge uh, level of uh, onboarding. So that had to go smooth, and uh, we uh, we focused on on these three main main things. So. Um... Jumping into into this year, which which was interesting to say yeah. to say the least. Um, what has changed in 2020 um, um, inside the uh, and when I call it the IT department, it's a very simple way of putting it <laughs> uh, of of ING because I know that um, you basically all the organization worked from home. I don't know if it's the case right now also. Um, so how did it change the, the, um, the energy, the interaction, the communication, as you mentioned, because you, you said about improving communication? Yeah. So uh, to, be, to be completely honest, we were not prepared to, to be work from home. And that I think is the case for, for most organizations uh, during this, uh, this year. So it, it forced us to, uh, to take the leap, to, to take all the measures uh, necessary to actually be able to continue our work. And I think our IT departments did a really, really, really good job in, in doing so. I mean, uh, considering the scale of, of this organization and the smoothness in which we, we actually were able to, to transition to work from home environment, uh, I, I can only give a huge kudos to them because uh, it's, uh, it's been a, a bumpy ride, not, not to, uh, to, uh, um, to uh, throw this away, but um, the fact that we could actually uh, do all the activities that we could have done uh, in the office, that the fact that we can do them uh, in our homes right now, it's a, it's a huge increase. Uh, not every activity, of course, because well, human interaction is still lacking. Um, but uh, but yeah, we were totally unprepared, and uh, there has been a huge transformation. Digital transformation is all over the place in this pandemic, uh, but this happened to uh, to us as well. So again, upgraded some uh, some tools, um, with uh, some some modern tools to to video conferencing and everything else, so that we can actually be functional. Um, and uh, yeah, focus. There was a lot of focus on the infrastructure uh, that was needed for uh, for this. Um, not to mention, because well, we were so unprepared because a lot of the things that we did have uh, were on premises. We didn't use a lot of uh, cloud services, so that we were able to to scale rapidly and everything else. But we we learned. We learned from that. When um, it, it opened up a lot of opportunities for us as developers as well. Uh, because now we have uh, we have our organization looking at cloud. Uh, this is possible. So um, we had this as a strategy for a long term, but now I think we can we can push the pedal on this because uh, we have again more and more confidence on uh, on tools that are developed by other people, and we can. Uh, but going to can jump into those. But yeah. going to to a, to a more personal but also professional level. Um, what did you learn this year as a leader inside inside the, um, an organization forced to transform to transform itself and switch uh, everything um, in maybe a few days, a few weeks in the end? 
Um, I think we, we also were a bit bit lucky because, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, the, the people that we kind of interact with, our colleagues and, well, uh, us as an organization as well, uh, we're kind of open to, to things and uh, we need this mindset. So it was not a huge, huge, uh, huge blow for, uh, for uh, some of our teams, uh, especially with the, the technical uh, staff, of course, which I interact mostly with. So uh, this was not a huge hinder in, uh, in their activities. Of course, uh, there were personal things because these kind of affect you that you cannot throw them away. But, um, well, a, a few things that, I don't know, I kind of learned in, in this period. Um, we definitely need a better experience for muting and unmuting in conferences <laughs> because they all, uh, we have a lot of stories. Um, yeah, remote work is possible. So uh, we'll, we'll have a key takeaway on, on that. There's no way we can uh, ever go back to not being able to do that as, a, as an industry, I guess. Uh, remote parties don't work, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, joke aside, uh, you do really need that uh, human interaction. So uh, it's, uh, it's a must. It's a must in, uh, in, uh, in putting together a team. And this is, uh, I think, the, the most difficult thing that we have to face right now, uh, not being able to do this, not even occasionally. So uh, all of the informal interactions have gone away uh, and we need a place to actually fill those in. And it's, it's hard to actually, uh, I don't know, create conferences to just have chit chat. Uh, ain't nobody got time for that, you know? Uh, and it's... Um, uh, this is uh, this is something that we miss. This is something that we need to still uh, get um, get a way of actually uh, doing it, because we we haven't found a solution for for this as well for that human interaction. Hopefully, we'll be able to do this pretty soon. But who knows? Yeah, it's um, as you as you said. It's maybe we found it easy to switch the work. Uh, remotely, but this this human interaction and the pressure of this period on on people is is very hard to to fathom right now. Um, so, what kind of strategies do you have to to find out about the needs of the people who work with you? I would not say under you or in in your team in the yeah. end. How do you find their needs constantly, uh, but also? in a way that doesn't bother them too much. Okay, so not non-intrusive, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, so yeah, this is a, this is a pretty tr tricky situation, especially when, uh, when people are not necessarily uh, open to um, having conversations with the camera open and everything else. You cannot see all those, uh, the, all those uh, expressions. You cannot see everything that uh, they actually mean to say. So you have to, to put in a bit more attention on their attitudes or on uh, uh, signals that they may uh, may have during um, um, uh, interactions and everything else. So uh, some of the needs you you can anticipate by paying way way more attention to these things. Uh, some of them you just find out communicating directly. Uh, some of them can be observed just like before, like uh, it's uh, the most easy with uh, with technical skills. Um, and well, uh, that's. Um, um, that's the easy part. And uh, also some people have this, uh, this amazing uh, 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 
self-evaluation skills and they make it uh, even more easier. They just come at you, I need <laughs> this. I mean, uh, simply simply put, bluntly, because they, they actually know what they are, uh, they're doing. They, it's also related to emotional intelligence as well. So being able to, to actually request something that they, uh, they find out they, they needed. So uh, about this, I don't think uh, a lot of things changed too much unless that special uh, special attention that you need to take uh, into each of the interaction to see what's uh, what's going on and also eliminate those false negatives maybe because not all the things are related to to you and your work uh, from from those attitudes you could have spotted those in a real life interaction mm -hmm. uh, but now it's it's becoming uh, really tough to do so what would you scrap from what you have learned and what you have adopted during this year? And what would you keep? I would keep them all. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that this, uh, this transformation was, uh, was a huge and beneficial one for, for kind of everybody uh, in terms of uh, what we achieved after the transformation, not the pain that we went through uh, when, uh, when going through it, but uh, the the end results, I think, uh, they're they're not necessarily specific to to a pandemic uh, context. Uh, these are productivity things. These are uh, way of workings that can be applied outside of of this pandemic. You can still have uh, normal uh, work from home as normal. You can still have remote work as as normal. Uh, this will broaden up the the opportunities for for hiring for everything else for for every one of us. Um, yeah, and reduce a lot of costs and uh, all the things that uh, were highly costly up until now. Yeah, so I want to go um, into a bit of more technical uh, part of, yeah. of our conversation. Um, and I'm going to start um, uh, a bit general um, with what kind of trends technically have you seen or have you implemented um, in the last few years, two years, let's say, this year in 2019, um, which, um, which are specific maybe to the banking industry? Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. I'm not entirely sure if, uh, if I'm the, the right person to answer this, <laughs> uh, but I, I will, I'll give you my, my view. Uh, it's it's also a bit not necessarily too technical, but um, uh, to to shorten up the the summary, I think it's uh, I think it's a focus on self service and mobility. So uh, established banks now follow in the footsteps or of fintech companies that actually solve specific needs and uh, are working to provide solution for these problems in a friendly way directly to the customer. So you don't need to interact with a consultant or, or somebody. Uh, and, and I don't know, to make it short, uh, what a bank consultant could do for a customer uh, in his name, well, at uh, in an in a open, uh, open bank, um, why not let the customer actually do that by himself? And, and the trick in, in all, this, um, all this concept is a good user experience and, well, of course, a good quality in, uh, in the services provided. Um, that, that's my, my key takeaway. I don't know if, uh, if there are any, I don't know, tech stack specific trends or something like that. This thing is kind of in the, in the um, uh, past environment. It's a, it's a 
kind of a trend to to move towards uh, self-service. At least this is what I see at at this point. And the ability to do things from anywhere. You don't you don't have to be tied up to a to a huge monitor. You don't have to have a huge desktop. You can do anything from from your mobile device. Whatever you could ask your consultant to do. Um, well, not whatever, but still uh, an increase in, in the functionality that you could do uh, by yourself. But in your opinion, what is the most um, interesting technology, let's say, um, that you are working with or that you want to work with? Okay, uh, interesting technology. So first of all, uh, we have a, a huge pain point at this point uh, because um, as um, well as um, a lot of banks are the um, the infrastructure for um, for the banking applications and everything else is uh, is private mostly so we have private clouds at, at most or data centers private data centers with the limited um, um, limited resources that we need to anticipate, we need to calculate, we need to optimize, we need to do a lot of these things. So uh, scaling is uh, not necessarily the uh, the default for us. So we need to take care of that. We need to make sure that we have the resources available for us to uh, to um, uh, be performant as well. And um, yeah, I think this this is a um, this is a tech um, a tech area in which. Uh, will have more focus on so uh focusing on on cloud focusing on uh, getting away from uh, huge virtual machines from huge footprints of our applications uh making the shift to uh treating our servers as cattle not not as pets not just preserving them all, all the time that we can just creating them and let them go when we don't need them anymore so um uh, this is something I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, this transformation I'm looking forward uh, to, uh, to actually go through in, uh, in banking especially, because it has a lot of challenges as well. Going back to, to the team part a bit, okay. um, retention is a bit of a problem in the IT industry. Um, this flexibility of, of employees going from, from a company to another. Um, and also you mentioned the onboarding process and I want to mix these two subjects and ask yeah. you um, how did they change this year? Retention and also the onboarding process. Okay, so uh, retention for us is, uh, was, is kind of key from, from the recruitment step. Uh, it starts from from there. So we put a lot of effort in finding good matches for our teams, not just our skill set that we need. Uh, so tech and soft skills as well. Um, actually, potential and soft skills, uh, to be uh, better said. We try to make sure that uh, the environment is one that devs and um, everyone else can get satisfaction from their work. So it means financially and in terms of purpose. Um, also, the teams uh, they they actually work in are compatible with themselves and and vice versa. So this is the the most debate that we have um, when uh, when trying to pick um, a candidate. So uh, this is one of the points. The second one is the the actually onboarding part that I uh, that I mentioned. Uh, we have a few steps for for that as well. We have a body system. So a colleague of yours will help you navigate the bureaucracy and the code base and whatever specifics that you uh, you will interact with. 
Uh, and also behind the scenes, we, uh, as chapter leads and, uh, and area leads and everyone else, we try to limit the level of complexity for those areas, for procedures, for the, that bureaucracy. We, we learn every time we, we do another uh, onboarding process uh, that there was something missing over there and we, we improve that uh, as much as we can. And also the, the code base, the, that's, uh, that's a continuous effort, at least in, uh, in our department right now. Um, we try to simplify navigation through, through that huge, huge code base, so the huge amount of applications as, um, as much as we can. And uh, we're still not where we want to be. It's not very, very obvious wherever you have to, to make a change, but we're getting there. Uh, it's, uh, it's a huge transformation that we have to do as well. And this is uh, one of our focuses from, uh, from uh, this year as well. Mm, we're, we're getting to, to the end of, of our conversation. And I mentioned at the beginning that, that you are the co-founder of Code for Romania. Um, and for those who are listening to us and they are not from, from Romania or they don't know what is Code for Romania, I was going to ask you to, to explain this a bit. And then um, I want to know how do you mix the, these two experiences uh, of, of working at a big company like, like ING and also um, being involved uh, in this kind of NGO. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll start a bit with uh, with uh, the latter, I guess. Uh, so honestly, in uh, in the last two years, I guess uh, I have been less involved, at least less than I want to, uh, in daily activities in uh, in Code for. So I didn't manage to apply all this uh, all these learnings that I kind of um, had from from ING. But I am getting prepared for uh, this big organization mindset. So I'm learning every day what challenges a banking environment can have. And uh, I strongly believe, I mean, it, it raised my, my confidence. I strongly believe that it will be easier to anticipate the, the rigorous needs uh, of huge projects that uh, Code4 uh, is having and will have in, in the future. Uh, for the, those of you listening that, don't quite know what Code for Romania does. Um, it's an NGO focused on uh, civic technology. So um, being, an, being an NGO, it focuses a lot on, um, uh, on enabling uh, volunteer work, pro bono work from, uh, from specialists in, uh, in IT. And I don't mean just developers, I know the code in code for can can get you thinking about just programmers, but no, uh, we're we're uh, bringing in all the specialists from uh, from the ID industry and not not necessarily that uh, to actually find good solutions for for our day to day problems as citizens. Uh, we're trying to facilitate the contribution of uh, of everybody on uh, on this area. Just to shorten. Uh, as much as I can, uh, the explanation for this. You said that um, you weren't able to um, uh, take the, the things that you have learned yeah. hmm? as much as you wanted. Um, and in the end, uh, I want to, to end with, with this. What have you learned in the last two, three years? working in, in, in a big organization with a 300% growth in um, people, as you said. Um, so what are the key points that you have learned? Key points, oh, that's a tricky, tricky one. <laughs> so um, 
So yeah, I discovered some uh, some concerns that uh, big organizations have uh, that I was not aware of, like uh, coding standards, like uh, uh, compliance that uh, was not necessarily aware of. And if you try to think big, if you're trying to think of, uh, I don't know, a, a code for Romania organization uh, that will interact with, uh, uh, with a nationwide audience, right? Uh, you need to have those things in place. So you need to be prepared a bit on uh, for the same uh, same level of uh, exigencies from uh, from uh, your partners as well. So um, this is this is one thing, and I think it's a it's a huge huge one. Um, and this is kind of my my focus a bit on uh, on um, trying to understand all all these challenges, trying to anticipate them. And uh, see how we can uh, we can navigate through um, through well all the hiccups that we might have from from trying to improve things in in this country, um, and and not have the excuses of of not being I don't know compliant or or things like uh, like this. Uh, it would be a shame because uh, well all the, all the effort is uh, uh, is very very valuable. And these things are mostly, uh, in, in a lot of uh, cases, just some formalities that you just need to, uh, to apply in order to, to be safe and, uh, well, um, and compliant as well. Yeah. Bogdan, thank you very much for the, for the conversation and for the details. Yeah. But, uh, it's been a pleasure. And thank you all for watching or listening the Curious Ryan podcast. Uh, my name is Vedan Diescu and stay safe and have a good day.